the way we practice medicine is broken. Private practice owners, it's time to change the status quo that's leaving us and our staff burned out, and our patient dissatisfied because we don't have the time or the energy to give them the care they deserve. Deep down, you know, if you don't change your practice. Things are about to get a lot worse. Five years ago, I found a way to cut my clinical hours by 40% while increasing my income and delivering top-notch care. Since then, I have helped other practice owners achieve the same results. If you're ready to rewrite the rules for your own practice so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while delivering better patient care. Then join us for inspiring interviews with thought leaders in the medical industry. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Sabrina, your host for the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And today we have another exciting episode with Dr. Tony Demaris. He is a 1998 graduate of Parker University chiropractor. He is the founder of Sandstones Health in Texas, and we actually met through a entrepreneurial think tank. Through the rapid expansion of his own healthcare company, he transition has been highlighted as a national podcaster. A being on ESPN has been frequent guest on different shows such as Good Morning Houston, and he enjoys speaking on many different topics, including personal development, leadership, and business. He's also an international best-selling author. Tony can tell you a lot more going into it from his journey of a practicing clinician to building multiple clinics, teaching other chiropractors on how do you really be able to set up some business, right? Your own clinic, the way that you wanted to teach、mm-hmm. and train and take care of your own patients to growing, scaling. Right, and then without feeling trapped, and also he's someone who's so open to all the novelties and bring into different diversity of functional medicine, well-being into all that into what he practices, his true mission. So, thank you, Tony, for being here. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so I was just saying that we got introduced just simply because we were in the same entrepreneurial think tank. We're in the same city,、mm-hmm. and never really thought about how the world is so small and so large at the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, being that the think tank is in actually is in Georgia, and here we are in Houston, and we connected that way, which is awesome. I know. And then the first time we met is actually in person. In Georgia, now in Houston,、mm-hmm. and decide、mm-hmm. that Tony and I actually work together, going through my high-level six-step process to become that peak performer in healthcare. So it's interesting how the world can be any way possible as long as you want to build it. That's right, and really, what that's going to lead into, because as you know, we've discussed coming into my company and working with our doctors,、um, and really going through the same process that I went through, which is excellent, by the way. So I think our future is pretty bright together. Yeah. So before we expanding into any of those, um, how do we build our mental immunity to scale your private practice to really know who you are to earn that desired place? 
Let's share a little bit about your background. How did you get started? Why picking chiropractic? And then what made you feel like, hey, I needed to really transition out from just being the clinician, but really being that business owner and share my knowledge with others? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the reason why I became a chiropractor is really not too terribly sexy. You know, most people have some really good stories, you know, maybe an injury or something they dealt with. But my main motive really was uh, I wanted to treat athletes. And it, it made sense from a biomechanical standpoint to treat them that way. And But I, I didn't know anything about chiropractic. I knew they made pretty good money. So that was another reason. And then fortunately, I got into school and I went to a couple of seminars and just the dynamics and, and the passion this guy shared on stage for two days. I literally walked out and I said, wow, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's really, really cool. So, um, and, and, and as most practitioners, you know, I had the idea that, it, that I wanted to obviously own my own practice. I wanted to go into private practice, but I was also smart enough to realize that I didn't know what I didn't know. So I went and picked a mentor and worked with this person for about two and a half years and then opened up my own practice. And it was complete hell. It was the most miserable thing for, there were some highlights, obviously, but went into practice underfunded. You know, I feel like I didn't have the right amount of knowledge. I should have stayed at that one location a little bit longer to understand the business side of it. There was a lot of mistakes in business. It got so bad to the point that after about nine years, eight, eight and a half years of doing that, I said, well, you know, I could do something different. You know, I needed something that there was two plus two equals four. And in my profession, sometimes it's very subjective. So I thought, well, maybe an engineer or something would be good. So I left. I left chiropractic, left the field. And lo and behold, six months later, you know, I truly believe that when God calls you to something, you just can't give that up. And and it just started hitting me. I would be online looking for locations for, you know, our equipment. And I came across one place and they'd make a really good clinic. And so it started coming back. And so I was born to do this. So what happened, and really the interesting thing is, you know, I took a year off. It was a sabbatical for a year and, and things didn't go too well on the other side, but but I knew for a fact that I was to be a chiropractor. And so when I got back into practice, it was, it was interesting because when you know that it's your true calling, all the nuances you deal with in business, because sometimes when things get stressful, you really try to pinpoint what it is and you'll hang on to that, right? And forget about all these wonderful things that are going around you. But being out for that year, I came back in, I said, look, okay, I'm going to do this my way. And then as I, I was about six months into practice, and at the time I was still a little bit, I guess, shell-shocked from what had happened to me over the last year. And so I didn't want to I didn't want to rock the boat too much. So I wanted to be just this friendly chiropractor in town. And, but I think an entrepreneur, you can't do that, right? You can't, that's not how you think. So I found myself within, you know, maybe a couple of months walking around the front of the office and looking out in the parking lot and going, just imagining cars in the parking lot. And lo and behold, six months later, the, the owner of the building was actually making additional parking lot spaces out in the parking lot for us. So that's when I decided, I said, you know, I know that our version of chiropractic is something the public needs to see. So I knew I wanted to do multiple clinics at that point, but then also take care of, of doctors that don't have financial opportunities to bring them in and, and give them a financial opportunity in terms of what they do in their clinical setting. But are there other things they can get involved with outside of that too? Real estate investments or other investments that we get into. So that really became the driving force behind what, what I decided to do. So it really came about them and really about the profession wanted to make that really just let people know, hey, like this, this is we are really legitimate. We can do some good stuff for you. Yeah, which is a perfect on the spot is you saw something, hey, maybe I don't know if it's the true me, but it is something draw me back to it, right? And then you start falling back in love to this person who was this identity, was this career. And then realizing your mission has pivoted. It's not just being a clinician. It's actually about everybody else, those people who wanted to have something of their own. But how do you get there? And especially as an entrepreneur, as a leader, really, right? It's no longer just being a technician of serving your patient, whoever come to you. 
But how do you even find them? How do you give them the best customer service, the best welcoming message when they check in, and the way that the billing in your back end makes sense? So you're not just paying a bunch of people and nothing coming back. And how do you actually be able to deal with those things? Like people being with you for three, four years, and they suddenly leave you, and you're like, "What the heck is going on?" Right? I uh, know. <laughs> and then you feel like a sense of like gap. Did I do something, or is that really them? Right versus the one who just like constantly on their phone, they don't really pay attention to things. And they're like, "Come on, like, are we here to do a job?" <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, and, and I would say, you know, running a business, it really is difficult, but it's also very rewarding as long as you can stay consistent with those things and don't allow the stress to get too too much. Because that's when you start thinking the wrong thing. In fact, there was a there was a guy uh, named Keith Cunningham, and if you ever get a chance to listen to this guy, he's a hell of a businessman. I don't know if he was a sidekick of Warren Buffett, but he's just a, he's a Texas guy out of Austin. So he's got this fantastic joke telling, you know, accent, but he was on stage one time. And this is when I actually got a chiropractic and, and I was burned out. I was burned out because nothing was going right. Blah. And he got on stage and he goes, and this rocked my world, by the way, he said, you people out there that say you're burned out. He goes, he looked at, it, he goes, you're not burned out. You're broke. And I went, oh my God, he's right. That's why I got into what I love to do. What am I thinking? So that really was really heavy for me. But anyways, you use the word strategy in business. We've pivoted so many times, and and I almost there was a point where I started feeling guilty about that because I'm I'm having to navigate and having to change things, and the strategy has to change here. And then I read a quote one time, and it was by a man named Eric Rice. He said that a pivot in strategy is not a change in vision. And I said, well, that's really that's perfect because the underlying vision is always the same. It's the same same thing. We may do it a different way. We may pivot with something different, but the vision never changed for us. And so now we are after probably 30 different renditions of the, <laughs> of the pivoting uh, into what may change even in the future, but we're a heck of a lot better now than we were back then. Exactly. And do you feel like at the time when you're pivoting so much, you felt like the vision was changing until you heard that statement, that quote? That's exactly what happened to me. I felt like, man, you're being a little wishy-washy. What are you doing here? But it was the underlying core of why we're doing it, right? To find exactly why you're doing something. And then allow that to take place. Because quite, quite frankly, if you don't pivot in today's world, you're going to lose out, especially in healthcare. As fast as things change here, you know, whether you take insurance, whether you take all cash, whether you, it's a really crazy environment to be in. So you have to be ready to pivot. Right. And then that's one part that we talk about um, when we pivot, right? You have to pivot because then you can pivot into the empowerment state. We can be activate, right? Knowing if we got to do it, we do it. No longer have procrastination excuses to hold us back. And then also we can be innovative, right? That innovation part is not just we have to be super creative, but knowing there are different methods. Strategy is strategy. We don't have to always think about tactic, right? Just because we adapt to one tactic can work with someone else, but might not for us because we run things differently and we like different things. We have different perspective. So if you think about just having more of a stable strategy and that it's okay to shift and not constantly adapting one new thing after another, right? But it's still part of that innovation. And it's part about like that excitement almost into research on it. How could this work for me? And if it doesn't work, at least I thought about it. Uh, I know it's not for me. Right. And then we can Mm -hmm. think about the other things as we also mentioned about empathy. Right. Like when we feel like, oh, am I losing who I am? That's like not giving ourselves the true empathy. And if we constantly just thinking, well, I'm empathetic, I need to serve everybody else around me, but I can't even allow myself to feel that empathy, feel the win. 
Right. I think that's the biggest thing we talk about between Tony and I, between a lot of my clients, like how yeah. come I don't give myself, let myself feel the win anymore? Yeah. You know, and that, I think that was a really big point for me that I've always been a very optimistic person. You know, I wake up, I, you know, in fact, I was for a long time, I said that, you know, I'm not really a big fan of positive affirmations because if we're trying to convince us of something that we don't really subconsciously feel that we're about, then that's almost creates too much damage, right? If you don't mind, I'm going to tell you this, this story of, uh, real quick of how I changed my mind about positive affirmations. But uh, my idea was, you know, eliminate negative thinking, right? Eliminate negative things, delete those thoughts, and then you'll be good. Well, what I realized is that it, me being a naturally optimistic person that, you know, everyone has their tipping point. And when life, when life really gets busy, right, maybe the tipping point may be for, for one person in private practice, which it was for me at, at time. Or maybe it's when you have 10 practices and then you start becoming overwhelmed, but everyone has a tipping point at some time. And I think that's where I got it because when you and I got together, uh, even filling out the questionnaire for you, you know, I've always been a happy person. So I had to check emotional well-being because I found myself, I found myself at times getting to a point where, man, can I ask the same questions that every entrepreneur does? Am I smart enough? You know, can we do this? Oh my gosh, what am I thinking here? And, and, And you play that tape over your head and after a while you start to believe it. So the story I was going to tell you is I was I was actually in Washington D.C. one time and I was speaking at this at this event and this lady named Becky Halstead or General Rebecca Halstead as most people refer to her and she, but she's literally four foot nine and maybe five foot she was a second graduating class of women at West Point so imagine the hell she went through as the, as a second class of females going through West Point but then she rose to a brigadier general status in Afghanistan and Iraq well anyways I told her the same story. I said, uh, I said, well, you know, I don't really make positive affirmation about believing negative, you know, eliminating negative thinking. And she said, you know, it kindly says, you know, I understand what you're trying to say. But when I was in battle, and I go, I didn't know who the lady was. And I go, uh, this is, I'm about to lose this argument. <laughs> so, so she said, when I was in battle, there were two things that I said every day. One was the Joshua 1-9 prayer. Be courageous. Do not be terrified for your God will be always be with you. And and then the second was one thing called the warrior ethos, uh, which is something that the military says. And the, forgive me, I won't get all of them right, but it's basically, um, I will never quit. I'll never accept defeat. I'll never leave a fallen comrade. And she said these every day. In fact, she had a little shield. She actually gave me that shield, but it's not by me right now that I show it to you. But the, uh, and it's one of my prized possessions because the, the amount of energy and emotion she put in that every single day, over 22,000 soldiers in Iraq. And as a female, you know, as, as a motherly instinct to pray over that was powerful. And her affirmations, were about other people too. It was very, it was really cool concept. I go, oh, I get it. And now actually going through the things that we went through, because you have us doing that, you know, you have us doing that. And I told you when I did the program, I'm committing to this thing and I started doing it. And it made a, a, a very simplified, but just being proactive in those things every day that made a big, big difference, right? Instead of being so distracted by all the things that are going on in my life, because all these entrepreneurs listening to this right now, they know that when shit hits the fan, it's really, really, really tough. And so it's distracting that you can't, you know, your number one thing you hear from people is I'm too busy, but you aren't too busy to take that. You're like your two minute reset. It's <laughs> very simple, but it's, it's made such a big difference all, all because I, I said, look, I got to take the time and take care of who I am and what I'm doing right now. Otherwise I can't serve all these other people. Like I need to serve them. Yeah, exactly. And then, and that's why like the whole program so much is say, how can we have better mental immunity? And then we can cut hours off work and increase productivity for everybody else around us, right? It's no longer just like another strategy, another tactic. If we keep seeking another tactic, another strategy, there's going to be endless things that you want to adapt 
and never really going to be true what you need. So how can we bring out the best of what already you are doing and then be okay with it? And then you can stick to that, right? And then on top of that, it just have that level of accountability, right? We have our check-ins, we have our professional (laughs) and personal goals. And then you're like, yeah, I get it. And then there doesn't seem like overwhelming anymore. Yeah, but don't you find, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you're the podcast, I'm asking you a question. Is that okay? <laughs> so, don't you find though that that uh, people that have built a business in a position, if you want to call it power or whatever it is, or you know, doesn't have a whole lot of people uh, they have to answer to, don't you find that they have a harder or more difficult time asking for the help? Because yeah. who they go to? Because it's, a, it's an island that they, and, and really over years of being on that island by yourself, you have to be self-sustaining. So it's difficult for them to go, hey, I, I think I could use some help here. Right, right. So that is one of our 10 sabotaging tendency. We also said like number one is judgment, right? Like Tony has yeah. your Dr. Tony's nemesis. Me is yeah. shitty, itty bitty comedy, just lying <laughs> out the time, right? And then so besides that big umbrella of we're constantly judging ourselves and other people saying, I work hard, I got myself here, I have to go through like nothing to get to this point. Or my family had money, but they gave me nothing. I have to figure all this out. You can't discredit me for how hard work work. Well, that's not where mm. I'm going, right? It's nothing discrediting who you are as how hard you work. But we're saying life already is hard enough. But why choose yes. the hard thing? Why people talk about hiring a whole team of VPs? as your multiple number twos, right? To offload is because the thing of leveraging other people's time, resource, and their knowledge. And so that's one of our focus funnel, right? You only have five steps to do any decision. One of them is delegating. And why do we delegate? And how do we delegate without having sabotaging tendency? And one of them is controlling, right? Because I gone through it. I already know all the hard things. So if I have to give up that control, as you're saying, like that power, would people still see me as important? Still see me as the president of the company? Still see me as a COO? And then if I don't do this, I'm just chilling. And, but if yeah. you think about some big people like Elon Musk, you think they're going to do everything at every moment? Like, how is that even sustainable? Right? It's mm. not. So the lie is not to say you are not good enough. No, you are so good already. But our persona of this controlling yapping at us, right? This persona saying, if you cannot control everything, if you don't show up everything to measure on how other people are performing, then you put yourself on the lower spot. But that's just simply a lie because that's how I compensate ourselves back then, right? Yeah. As we're pushing, pushing, pushing and never was in a place, how are we going to pull the right thing, the right people to yeah. us? Yeah, that's, I mean, I think you said control and I think control, too much control does get you get you to a point to where you're not good enough because it wears you down. You know, it's, it's like the, I, I was doing that at one point where, and I don't, I don't blame people for doing that, to be honest with you, because when entrepreneurs, when you first start a business, you do everything, you do everything, you are everything, right? Unless you come in with a bunch of private equity money and hire all these people, that's fine. But most of us didn't start that way, uh, especially in private practice. And so we're so used to doing it all. And it's very difficult at some point to start, number one, delegating that stuff and giving that control up too. 
Um, I know, I know I found it was difficult for me and, and really, you know, going through that desire zone stuff was a good thing too, because it, it really lets you key in on that. And, and honestly, this is something I've been working on with my other business coach for five years now. And he tells me all the time, you've got to go out there and do some creative thinking. You've got to spend time alone on the golf course. I'm like, well, I don't play golf, number one, but I can't imagine because I'm the guy that's always been in the trenches and now I've got to scale back and take time for myself to think about the company. Oof, what a weird concept. But it's so important to grasp that concept, to be able to pull back. And I think part of the other reasons is we, I start, you know, you start feeling guilty, you know, because you want to be that hardworking person too, like everybody else. And, and so that guilt will force you. And I just had this conversation with a friend of mine. It'll force you to start looking for things just to stay busy, whether they mean nothing or not. You'll find yourself just, and, and I, I found myself doing that. And I'll let everybody know. I just work until this time, you know, just let them know I'm working. You know, but it's such a bad thing, especially for an entrepreneur that's running, you know, you get multiple employees and, and a lot of responsibilities. You have to take some stuff off your plate. Otherwise, it's, gonna, it's just going to tear you down eventually. Exactly. And I think since I don't do any business coach, right? Like I don't do any operation, any background. I'm just the connector, like bring all your chaos here. Let's remove all the mental blocks, right? So then you yeah. can clear all your roadblocks out of the way. So when your business coach, all your mentors giving you tactic and strategy, you know which one to pick that works for you. And no longer thinking, wow, they're amazing, all of them. Let me do all of them, right? And then it's the same thing as like, oh, we, we have to find something to be busy with, right? Like, no, no, it doesn't have to be adapting all of those. Just pick a couple of things that you feel like it will definitely fit your need, your company's need, your clinic, your patients, right? And it's okay to say, I can just be the unique self. I can be the unique practice because I'm unique. Mm -hmm. That's why people come to me. That's why people mm -hmm. say, hey, this is the practice. This is the doctor that I wanted to see, not the person five miles down the road, right? It's and right. That's, that is the specific thing that how are we getting over this thing? And that's why I say like mental immunity is like a fitness, right? Brain muscle that you have to work on. And then, so for Tony, like we have this app to train our positive intelligence. And really what I call them, these two minute exercise, they are mental vacations. If you don't reset and you let yourself drain so much, then it's really hard, take a longer time to recuperate, to fill that tank. Instead of if you just decrease a little bit and you're constantly filling, then you're always pretty much in above 80% of energy. Yeah, I remember you saying that, and that is so true. I was watching another guy years ago, and he said the same thing, that we're only given a, a limited amount of energy every day, and we need to start using that energy wisely. But it makes so much more sense that, you know, instead of draining your, your battery all the way down and then taking that much longer to, to recharge it, just do it a little bit. And we even, remember, so I've you know, been a big meditator for a long time, and, and everyone goes through cycles of this, but I was so dedicated. It was 45 minutes to an hour every single day, probably at night as well. And then in a busy lifestyle, you go, oh, can't do that. Then you start thinking, well, if I can't do 30 minutes or an hour meditation, then why even do it? But you're teaching people to do two-minute meditations, which three two-minute meditations throughout the entire day, you know, six minutes total, in my opinion, is better than doing 45 minutes an hour every other day. It just made more sense. And it was so much easier just to kind of center myself back in and go back at it. So, but the discipline has to be there to do it. Right. And then we say become non-negotiable, right? And then you have to think about what's the outcome. Is that giving you the clarity to be able to do things faster? Or does that give you the time ROI? Is it the finance ROI? Is it the health part? What is it? If you actually connect it to that true outcome you want, then yeah, it becomes non-negotiable. But if we just think, oh, it's good to do, 
then it becomes less serious and less like effective、mm-hmm. because like oh if it's good to do then it doesn't mean I have to. Yeah, yeah, but you know we, we, it's so sad too because we all know a lot of entrepreneurs. We also know a lot of alcoholic entrepreneurs.、Uh, we know a lot of entrepreneurs who are doing drugs on a regular basis. We know a lot of entrepreneurs who are divorced multiple times.、Uh, we know entrepreneurs that kids won't even talk to them anymore. And and you look at that and you go, wow, that was really worth all that work, isn't it? It's, it's just so sad to see that you know the sacrifice that takes place. And if they just took the time to do some of these things, their life would have a completely different trajectory. I'm not saying they wouldn't get divorced. I don't know what these spouses are like, but it would be a much much happier life if they just took the time to do those things. Exactly. So, what do you think is the best outcome that you got out of that program? Gosh, I, I went through my list of <laughs> list of things with you that last day, and I kept them on my notebook pad. And they're all, and I, I told you, as a sheet, I move a lot of my really important stuff too,、uh, and that you made that sheet too. All the things we did, you know, I think there was there were a lot of things in there. I look at the chart of the desire zone because I was taking on too many things. I was doing too many things outside of my desire zone, and that allowed me to hone things back into the direction where they should be. What were some other things that we our first call that we ever had? There was a quote that you made, you gave me from the Dalai Lama, and these are simple things. I did, but it was about gratitude, and it hit me at that time because I'd forgotten to be grateful about what has been built. You know, everybody around me that sees what we're doing, or you know, sees what I'm doing here, my peers and colleagues, they're very grateful for what I've been doing. They're like,、oh, "This is great." You know, would love to be in the position I'm in, and I forget that, and I forgot it. So that was another one. And then、uh, what was some other stuff? I'd have to go through the list. I mean, there's, you know, the two minute reset stuff that we do. And one thing now, I'm gonna have to do a plug here, is this. Yeah, and you know I was gonna do this, didn't you? <laughs> so, this clock right here has been. You had. I don't know if yours is next to you or not, but you you held this up for me one day, and we're talking about time blocking, yeah, <laughs> time blocking and everything else. I said, well, where is that? So I bought it on Amazon, and it, you know, it has the clock and the five and ten, you know, fifteen minutes and so forth. It is awesome. And so when I started using this thing, I started realizing like. Oh my gosh! When I when I'm actually tracking my time, I've got a lot of it. When I'm not tracking my time, even if you take a five minute break to surf the internet, and it's fifteen twenty minutes later, the time goes fast. So it's been fan. I can get so much stuff done in a fifteen minute period. It's crazy. So that okay? Is that enough? You want more stuff about that program? Yeah, that's <laughs> great. Right. Like, so one thing I think a lot of people misunderstood about how to time block. Right, and then they block out their whole entire day, and then they feel like, oh, I can't catch up because they don't know、mm-hmm. how to give themselves time in between to finish that、mm-hmm. note to reset, right? And then, or they block too much out, then the whole day is constricted. It doesn't feel flexible.、Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're living anymore. You just、yeah. on the schedule all the time, right? So that's、yeah. like some of the biggest misconception about time block. Instead of feeling like you have plenty of time. Then you feel like you have no time. So,、exactly. yeah, thank you. That's amazing. So,、uh, as we wrap up, I have you do the hundred question deep dive when we first met, and then、mm-hmm. for all the speakers on the show, I say, hey, do the quick version, right, down to the ten question. So, even from the initial before you gone through the six weeks, and then now that we we finish our core training, and then you did a quick assessment. What was the difference when you saw those life wheels? Well, they improved, and I knew they'd improved. I would have ranked myself a ten on all of them, but as you know, there's always that one question or five that I, I don't agree with. I had to put a nine there. It was drastically different, you know. And I was I was very honest,、uh, even the first time. I'm, you know, back to that entrepreneur in the ball. I, I pretty much will keep things in, but when I went into this, I said, okay, I'm being very open and honest about everything. And so I really thought through those questions how I was feeling. And then today, I did the same thing, you know. And I even tried to give myself a worse score on some of them, but I can't because even the one about stress and anxiety, I've got stress. I've got stress. 
uh, don't have anxiety, but stress is there. It's every day, but it's, it's how you handle that stress sometimes. Or maybe I shouldn't call it stress. Maybe challenges occur every day. They can stress you out one way, you know, significantly or maybe not the other. But yeah, so everything did, it, it changed. And um, as I said before, the one thing that has to happen now, because, you know, when, when with drug addicts, it's always, you know, I can quit anytime I want, but staying stopped is the problem. So what I have to do is stay consistent with these techniques and with these programs. And, and I know I know for a fact, just like every entrepreneur listening to this, there are going to be times when it's just go time. And you, you're you just really going just at both ends. You've got to get something done. We know that's there. It's going to happen. But you got to make sure that you pull back somewhat to take time to take care of yourself. Exactly. And I think even through when we were together, working together, there's one week you're like, it was just a bad week. I didn't do as many meditation. I didn't do really much of my reflection. And you even notice that, right? Like when you mm-hmm. one week from the other, and then when you back on it. So minor things make a huge difference. Right? I believe Darren Hardy, he's the one who's like Success Magazine, right? We're running big things for people. And even he wrote the book on compound effect. It's those tiny yeah. little things. It doesn't mean we have to really dramatify everything. But those are tiny, small steps that we don't feel like we even had done anything actually make the biggest impact. And that's why that's we, right. I always say two minutes, two minutes, that's it. It's okay. <laughs> Give yourself- just, get, just get it just, just get it done and don't make excuses for it. Just do it. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So Tony does so many amazing things. He has different programs in the pipeline. He teaches a lot of healthcare professionals, especially chiropractors. Even you're new, it's okay. And then he gave you all the tools to start and grow and scale in your private practice. So I know a lot of you probably are interested in how do you go for that round, right? There's a lot of legal and then paper operational thing, and he can give you all the tools and he built these things out very much thoroughly. So how can people get in touch with you when they wanted to start down that path or just learn from other stuff that you've done from addiction, from speaking, writing, all that? Yeah, well, in fact, that our addiction program for the marijuana um, is being launched. It was supposed to be launched on 420. Sarcastic, right? But but we it's, it's been delayed. We had to edit some of the videos, but we'll have that out here pretty soon. But that's uh, that'll be secretaddiction.org. So you'll be able to find that there. But in terms of reaching with me, I love working with people. It's it's fan. I, lo- I just I never turn anybody away. Well, that, let me rephrase that. Not yet. <laughs> I can I can manage it within my schedule. But but as you teach people, it's okay to turn stuff away. But yeah, just uh, email at Tony at sandstonehealth.com or you can reach me Instagram at Dr. Tony Dramus. Uh, email, you can Facebook me as well. Just look for Tony Dramus. I'm there as well. Awesome. Amazing. And thanks everyone for being chiming in, listening in. And I know you got probably a lot out of this session and we would love to hear your review. So leave a comment below, subscribe and turn on notifications. So you're always going to be in the loop when we produce uh, also amazing other episodes for you. Of course, we wanted to give you the content, the knowledge that you want to learn. So feel free to message me on LinkedIn or Instagram, shoot me an email. They're all going to be in the show note below. So I know what you really want to do to accelerate your life as a best clinician as you can be and also as an owner, as a leader to have that best impact not only for yourself, but everybody else around you. But remember, there's always able to do less and have more done. So until next time, bye guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You're listening to me right now. 
Odds are you're frustrated by how healthcare practices are running today. I'm with you. I'm looking to change the conversation that we're having in this field. It starts with me, and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your own struggle or challenges within the healthcare industry. Visit sabrinarombach.com/connect, where you are going to find all of my social media platforms. Feel free to send me a direct message. If you like me, prefer speaking, then you can record a voice message on the page. Additionally, I can get you an exclusive invitation to one of my monthly collaboration think tanks that are limited to 30 healthcare disruptors. So come to sabrinarombach.com/connect and let's continue the conversation. She really gets the conversation. She understands. She's an incredible listener. We were talking about worthiness, and she really understands the concept of it, how it affects people in their businesses, in their clinics, in in their daily life, in their relationships. So I just want to encourage you to one listen to our show, but to jump on board and start listening to this woman because she has so much insight and wisdom that you don't want to miss out. Hi, this is Emmanuel Anthony, human behavioral speaker, researcher, writer, teacher, author, and consultant. I just had the amazing opportunity to connect with Sabrina on what I think is amongst one of the most professional podcasts that I've been on.、Uh, not only is her professionalism very high, but her understanding and her knowledge as well.、Uh, working with podcasters, sometimes I'm just being interviewed, which is perfectly fine because I'm there to share my knowledge. But this is one occasion where I can definitely say that the person that I was communicating with not only was receptive and understanding to the concepts that we were communicating in terms of business and mindset and growth, but she also had was able to elaborate and expand on those concepts. Now I've been doing this for eleven years. I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've spoken to a lot of people with a wealth of knowledge. It was very, very fulfilling and very nice to be able to communicate with somebody that not only had a plethora of knowledge but could share that. In a bite-sized and very easily understandable kind of way, because it doesn't matter what kind of knowledge a person has if they can't communicate it to you. I've been speaking for the last ten, fifteen years in hundreds of college campuses,、um, but to be able to speak to a peer, someone who、uh, I can see eye to eye with on the same level, it becomes a conversation.、Uh, I'm not talking to an audience. I'm talking to a friend, or someone that I felt like I should have met ten, fifteen years ago. Um, but you know, better late than never. Here I am right now to be able to just know that I'm not alone in my thoughts.、Uh, to know that there are other people out there who have reached the similar conclusions that I have with completely wayward and different life paths. To know that、uh, there are people like us out there who believe that you can do not just option A or option B, but to do both. That you can have both. That you can have cake and eat it too, without hurting other people. There's an ethical ability. That one may have when they channel their empathy to reach people and to have them go far together. I'm Christine Wen. I'm a family physician and、um, the founder of the White Coat Romance Dating App and Development for、um, healthcare professionals、um, and the larger community of White Coat professionals. And I had the honor of being a guest on the、uh, powerful and passionate healthcare professionals podcast, as hosted by the wonderful and lovely Sabrina Renbrack, whom is so empowering.、Um, I love her energy. I love all the work that she's doing to. 
support healthcare professionals. And we had just a blast, like talking about um, all the things that are relevant um, in our community and all the work that we're doing. And I love uh, listening to all of her podcasts and all the guests that she's interviewing um, and all the great work that they're doing. And it's just so inspiring. Um, her energy is infectious. And I love um, that she is constantly uplifting this community. So I encourage that everybody go out there and go check out her podcast. I would go ahead and binge on all the episodes like I did and you won't regret it. 